So I'm back. <laughs> so 2021. Yeah. It okay. seems like it was a good year for music because you have 20 beautifully picked albums. <laughs> yeah, it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a cut down from what I normally do. Last 10 years, I do top 40 albums of the year. I said, yeah, screw it. The last 10 years, I've said, cool, what are my favorite 40? Last year, I did like 40 little mini episodes. You and I talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're a huge fan of like Watch Mojo. We said, fuck, what if we just cut it down to like 20? Because I feel like, yeah, 10 is, 10 is too little. 20 is a sweet spot. It's also, 40 it's also is a lot. Expected. So if you want to see the, the back half of this 40, I made a playlist. So there's like mm-hmm. one favorite track from each of the 40 albums. So you can check out like the full list. On and you made this one on Spotify? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll share the link on one of us. Yeah, for all that lossless audio. <laughs> yeah. What are we using? Apple Music? Just such a fan. <laughs> just rifle off these 20 and we'll talk about it. I'm done. Very cool. Cool. You want to just kick it off? Let's do it. All right. Number 20. Midnight Swim by Steve Darko. It's his debut album. It's a Dirty Bird DJ. You know I love Dirty Bird, man. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Steve Darko, I listen to like here and there. Uh, you know, a couple tracks and singles that he would put out. Close brother to Donnie. So, <laughs> but like, dude, honestly... It's been a little repetitive on the Dirty Bird label. It was just such a breath of fresh air to hear Steve. Like it felt like one of the more newer takes and sounds in this space. Mm-hmm. Like on one hand, it's Dirty Bird, so you get their signature sound. You're getting like very minimal tech house beats, crystal clear production like across the front. But on the other hand, like Darko really stretches out the instrumentation. You get a lot of different like sonic sounds that you haven't heard before. That one, it's, it goes, there's a lot of spacey tracks usually within right. Dirty Bird, right? But in this case, like, you get a lot of more non-traditional instrumentation that you would hear in electronic. We just heard, like, a marching band percussion play. Mm-hmm. It's just cool. Yeah. Like, I, I'd like to hear a little bit more of that. Like, I remember you texted me. You texted me this whole album when it first came out. Yeah. And you were like, dude, listen to this. Tell me what you hear differently. And I think I texted you and I was like... There's a marching band section. I feel like with a lot of tech house these days, especially on Dirty Bird, it's the same old spacey sounds. Like it sounded like super fresh when it mm-hmm. first came out onto the scene. But a lot of the Dirty Bird DJs are high octane energy. Steve's okay being a little bit more like melancholy, a little bit more like tonally like gloomy, but you could still find lots of like bops on those heads. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about some of the other DJs. He got some great features on here from Nala to Vanessa, both awesome, and Claude Von Stroke, your favorite, your favorite movie villain. <laughs> Hello, I'm Claude. He's not German. Family. He's not German. No, so he's, he's appropriating. American. <laughs> yeah, Claude, uh, yeah. Number nineteen. <laughs> Number nineteen is Demo Devil by Ashniko. It's it's funny because I had been listening to to Ashniko like here and there. Like anytime she like she would drop like an EP or a single. I want to see if I can find that one song. Yeah, 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 do go for it. Uh, but her latest album Demo Devil for me was like the first project that when look like let me look away. In the same way that I'm not going to say like in the same way that like Gaga came onto the scene or or whatnot, but I I don't know, Justin. If like if you listen to Poppy before, Oh yeah, 
So it's the, uh, to she me, it's the same kind of like way. whimsical energy that Poppy brings. Maybe a little Doja Cat in there, or if you've listened to like mm-hmm. Melanie Martinez, like she is full force channeling like the Neptune style production. The Neptunes like being Pharrell and, and Chad Hugo. And actually, this song "Deal with It" this is this is their cut. To me, it's like this very candy, kitschy, bouncy beats that you mm-hmm. get like throughout the record. I like it because it remains super whimsical and childish. I don't know. All her bars and lyrics kind of land with authority and and kind of impact for mm-hmm. me. Still, she's just very ferocious and always in your face. There's mm-hmm. great features from Grimes to Princess Nokia, Khalees, like probably the best pop album that probably no one's talking about. Not everyone's cup of tea, but I, I dig it. Number 18 for me is Cyclorama, Polo and Pan. And what did you say it sounded like? A little bit of Super Mario? It does. It has a little bit of that Super Mario water, water level feel to it. Because it's a little airy, but it has oh the water level from Zelda. So they're a DJ Parisian pair duo, and they're back with a full-length LP all the way back since 2017. I had gotten into them through that one single. Quintessential tracks for the tropics, man. They, but mm-hmm. like, this one feels almost equally tropical as it does cinematic. Like they, if the if the last one was like a really good song for the summer or album for mm-hmm. the summer, like this one felt like a full triple A like experience that they were putting on. It's charming and it's, it's like just as much chill. And the production, I mean, you can just hear it. Like, it is so damn clean, right? It is. It's really nice. It's massive in scope, honestly. Like, I, I might think it's a little too massive. There's a, a little bit of bloat probably towards the back end of the album as well. But, like, even with some of those whiffs, like, it shattered my expectations of what these two can do. I mean, it's, uh, a, it's a good 16 tracks deep. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. I would have trimmed some fat off there for sure. But I think it's still great. I mean, this is an album everyone should have in their Rolodex for the summer. Like, for, for years to come, it's, mm-hmm. it's a great one. And that brings us to number 17. The consequences Number 17 is an album called Hey What by Low. This is a really hard album to find like a track, just snippet for you to be like, oh, let me give you a little spark notes of what this album can be. I think it's meant to be played from start to finish. It's a bit of an odyssey. It, it's definitely an odyssey. Definitely a concept album. I had no idea these dudes have been around since like the mid-early 90s. Did you? Really? Yeah. They've put out... 13 studio albums dude 13 and he, i mean i have really haven't liked their stuff i don't know this one really caught it. maybe they, what they say like 13 times a charm baby like, <laughs> hey what is their latest album i think this is one of the most masterfully layered and mixed lps that you'll listen to like it completely challenges your expectations 
on where you think each and every track and song is gonna go. They do some crazy shit with tempo and cadence and meter, all the changes across these different tracks. Are the, the tone is super dark and unsettling and southern gothic, but a little psychedelic. I don't know if this is gonna make sense, but the way they were able to mix this album, it feels like the sound sort of wraps around you, like just hugging you from from all sides. It's a, it's a really trippy audio technique that they're using here. I think it's super abstract. I, I would, I'd give it a go. See if, see if you like it or not. It's probably my rock album of the year. Now it brings us to 16. I'm so insecure, I think, that I'll die before I drink. And I'm so caught up in the news of who likes me and who hates you. Number 16 is Olivia Rodrigo. I mean, this album, come on, is one of the best. I, th- I think so, dude. It's, it's. I'm actually surprised it's not higher on your list. I kind of was. I kind of was too. I'd say that I think this might be my number four. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I could definitely see that. She definitely gave just a jolt of energy into this space. Mm-hmm. It definitely blew me away by storm. It did. The, the track that I'm featuring, apologies, everyone, I'm not playing Driver's License or Good for You, but like. Brutal is my favorite track on the album. Like that, mm-hmm. that first track stands up with any Queens of the Stone Age, and it's not overproduced. It's uh, this album. I was so skeptical, and then I listened to it, and I was like front to back, and then I listened to it again and again and again. I think that's what does it for me. It's not quite as front to back as maybe mm-hmm. it, maybe it was for you. I think there's some tracks in the middle there that I'm like, eh, that sounds a little repetitive than that. Mm-hmm. But it's undeniable, man. Like, she made one of the biggest impacts, I would say, out of any artist this year on so many different singles. And this album's, like, clearly doing well. Because she brought that nice little mix of, like, Avril Lavigne and Paramore to... It's a beautiful mix, dude, yeah. To such a fresh album and she cashes that check dude like i you would expect if okay someone not to shade anyone coming out of disney university although i don't know why i'm surprised at all that anyone <laughs> yeah who whoever starts any disney project doesn't get a one-way ticket to superstardom because mm-hmm. that seems to be the the way the trend's been going she does it with a sense of authenticity mm-hmm. and like there's like, like no, she's done the homework you know? yeah there's no like radio disney quality to it and at 34 minutes like i know i was griping a little bit about the some of the tracks in there being like yeah some are good some are bad but like 34 minutes respects my time mm-hmm. and i appreciate that like it, it, this if, this, if this was 50 minutes, minutes i think it would be in the back 20s even maybe um but it kind of flies by. Overall, incredible record. Sour is one of the biggest surprises for me this year. That's what we got at number 16. Number 15. We Are by John Baptiste. This one won a Grammy. Wasn't it Best Album of the Year? Won the Grammy for Best Album of the Year. And I was I was rooting for this one, dude. Yeah. Like, not just because the work is good in of itself, but also I, from a representation standpoint, when do you think the last time we gave an album of the year to a black artist? A, just a black artist. What was last year? 2008. We're really? in the year 2022, and we gave it to Herbie Hancock, who is doing an album full of Joni Mitchell covers. 
So even then, I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, guys. So I, I don't know. This album, it had so much breadth of not just like variety of subgenre. Like you've got your gospel, soul, rap, R&B, just to name a few. But like thematically, like, dude, this is just covering so much ground here. Like in this first song, obviously like allusions to like the Black Lives Matter movement. It talked a lot about like COVID and quarantine and sort of that dynamic. And I love how it can tackle those big themes and issues, but also struggles that we have just waking up and picking yourself up, you know, from just being in the dumps. Like it kind of covers that full spectrum. Yeah. Which is awesome. And, and it's nice that, you know, seeing more of him, because I think, I think the yeah. first time I'd ever really paid attention to him was when he became the front man for the Colbert show. Yeah, dude. And that's kind of what I, I said the other day to someone. I was like, if, all you know of John is the front man for being mm-hmm. the band leader of the, the Late Show. You are missing out on such an infectious spirit. And probably not, just not one of the most talented jazz musicians, but like musicians, period, in, yeah. in the game right now. I, I, it's great. There's awesome features from PJ Morton, Trombone Shorty, Mavis Staples is on this one. It's a great record. I, I'm so glad I got album of the year. And then we go into number 14. Number 14 is Una Rosa by Zina Rubino. I'm not actually familiar with her. So Una Rosa is the third studio album from Zina. I first listened back to her on her sophomore album, Black Cat Terror. I'll, I'll send you that one. Mm-hmm. That's how I first got introduced. I was hooked from the get-go. She has such a way of melding not only like genres, and but cultures into her music. Like here on Marosa, it just shatters all those barriers. Like one minute it'll be super soulful and enchanting, and the next you'll be entering this jarring electronic trap breakbeat, like a la Charlie XCX mm-hmm. or something. Like that. Fun roller coaster ride, top to bottom. It's it's not all perfect. I think the middle of the back half of the record can get a little, sometimes a little out of pocket, a little too manic, probably that we're like listening to right now. But one thing is consistent, and that's her voice. It is smooth as silk, no matter what subgenre mm-hmm. that you're in, and that coupled with her taking on some really nice experimental swings. I don't know. Give it a go. Number thirteen. So number 13 is Music for Psychedelic Therapy by John Hopkins. Not to be confused with Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins University. <laughs> Have you ever listened to John before? Oh, yeah. I've listened to his like solo projects here and there. But most notably, I was introduced to him as being the producer for Coldplay over the last oh, like yeah. half decade. He did like all of their mixing work and, and whatnot. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you listen to some, some of his solo work, you're like, oh, okay, that was the dude totally at the helm there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was quite the the pairing of two musicians I want to see. No, and some might argue that it kind of ruined them. <laughs> You're like, we do not speak of new Coldplay. <laughs> no, but like Psychedelic Therapy is easily the least tr- traditional album that I have on 
on this, I think, entire list, and maybe even the last couple of years. Like, he was doing a little bit of research on this, and he kind of sought out to create his own sort of subgenre and a song motif that would fit the mode of someone who was going on a psychedelic trip and wanted to explore more with meditation. Honestly, there's less music in here, and there's really not as much like melody or traditional mm-hmm. like sound like cadence, right, if yeah. you will. Are you familiar with Max Richter's yeah, yeah, yeah. sleep that's, album? That's yeah. exactly. I mean, there's like no lyrics, there's no rhythm of any kind. It's just it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's made sound. for that. Like Sleep was made, it's supposed to be an eight-hour set, so that it kind of guides you through sleep as you're listening to it. So this is a journey through meditation. Dude, that's it. And he captures live recordings from his travels to, like, Ecuador and the Amazonian, like, forest and caves and, like, all this wildlife that you get matched in here. And all of that, like, wildlife recording from, like, the forest, the caves of, of his travels, that gets paired with these super relaxing synths. And it's a beautiful harmony with the two going in. Like, I mean, it's, it's not going to be for everyone, but check it out if you're looking for something different. This is number 12. Is this Adele? Yeah. I was waiting for it. I was like, is he going to guess this? The number 12 for me is 30 by Adele. And confession time. I've never been in love with an Adele album. Have you? No. Really? I thought I was going to be in the minority on that one. You know, I... I, I I have a couple tracks I like, but yeah, I've never been exactly. I've never been a fan of one particular album. Nineteen, twenty-one, twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Like there were specific singles, like you said, that right. I'm like, cool, I dig this more than the other. But on the whole, I thought she was this incredible vocal talent who sung power ballads for singer-songwriter anthems, yeah. and they were tailor-made for karaoke rooms. Mm-hmm. Like, th- like it sounds harsh, but like. I don't know. That's how I've classified her. Never hated the music, Justin, but like like okay guys can we call this what this is and it's it's these are made to be billboard bops mm-hmm. you know yeah that is like until i heard 30 like her latest album where she finally won me over just this time she's pouring her soul out in such a different way and she was dealing with with divorce on this one she has i think like a kid or two and th- th- there's a whole different dynamic when you're splitting up your family like that and i don't know I bought into it way more this time. I thought it was really raw, thought it was really honest, and complete heart-wrenching moments across the album that really resonated with me on this one more than just like, rolling in the deep. Like, it just felt like some of her past tracks in that way were very, I'm sad, but I'm singing them in a very happy way. Like, are are you sad? Are you heartbroken? In, In more of like an ambiguous way. An ambiguous way of almost like I'm seeing the facade of I don't, I don't mean to I'm yeah. probably gonna cut this out like I, I don't know what she's <laughs> fucking dealing with on some of her past albums but I I wasn't connecting with it you know right because I think this one kind of explicitly tells you this is a sad song yeah and get sad we're in this there's we're a total this. there's so much more sonic variation on this one dude like on this album you get r&b motown country a little bit of electronic even uh, mm-hmm. apart from the gospel song we just heard and to me she would just stick to one of those lanes in the past where right. I, this time i love the breath that we got it may was way more of a compelling listen and it's the first adele album that i really really liked you're falling asleep on my shoulder in the back of 
your boyfriend's car. We're coming home from a sermon saying how bent on evil we are. Yeah, her name's on the tip of my tongue. It's, it's like one Lucy of those, like, Dacus. I know. Home I was like, video by Lucy Dacus is the number eleven spot for me. Lucy has just always been a master of melancholy and she just knows how to make really beautiful sad music like it's, it's a hell of a juxtaposition but the way she reflects on her past makes you feel like you know lucy and she's singing these songs in your living room mm -hmm. like right across from you oh yeah and by the way her vocals have never been better the guitar work that she has on it, it sounds incredible and her songwriting skills both lyrically and melodically it's a, never been better. Honestly, it's a lovely album, man, and there's not a bad track in the bunch, but we've made it to the top 10. Oh, you're in the top 10. Number 10 for me is Sound Ancestors by Madlib. Madlib to me is one of the most prolific and legendary DJ producers. I'd argue in the last 20 years. He's no stranger on my top 40 lists. That man probably has made it over a half dozen times at this point, whether, whether that's by himself or with collabs like the Freddie Gibbs album that he did. MF, MF Doom. Doom. Yeah, Doom, your favorite, right? Yeah. But his latest solo studio album, Sound Ancestors, might be my favorite the beats he's putting forward on this are are just so tight and yet so abstract like you could not tell me what genre he's playing at this point like it is jazzy as it is electronic as it is psychedelic funky spacey just occupies this beautiful harmony of not only pushing out those futuristic sounds that we were listening to there, but at the same time, he balances that out with paying homage to Afrobeat, black music roots. It's just an incredible fusion he's created right here. And also, fun fact, the producer on this one is Fortet. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I mean, to me, which helps fuel like the argument. This is definitely give Sound Ancestors a, a spin. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. My deepest cry for now, my heart's out, my guard's down. Number nine is If I Could Make It Go Quiet by Girl in Red. Have you ever listened to Girl in Red? I've never heard of Girl in Red. Neither have I, dude. A debut studio album. I know, another fucking debut album. <laughs> but, dude, it was the year of debut studio albums. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. I've never seen so many good first the year of debuts and then the year of divorce albums yeah I, exactly and i think maybe a little bit of the pandemic had to do with mm -hmm. giving a little bit more focus and voice to some of these artists yeah. but so i had known that girl in red had a few like eps and singles here and there mm -hmm. but to me she's a cross of olivia rodrigo and billy eilish the latter in billy isn't surprising at all because when i did a bit of digging uh, who produced this record it's actually Phineas on this one. That makes and sense. And that makes sense, that right? Makes you can sense. you can totally hear that production polish, that instrumental sort of waviness that we heard, especially on Billy's debut. And in terms of comparisons to Olivia, yeah, I get it. They're slightly different spaces. Girl in Red's definitely a lot more on the darker side. But for that indie rock pop punk sound, I actually kind of prefer this album. <laughs> like truth be told, like the back half of this record isn't as strong as the first six tracks. Had the first half of the album continued to the back half, just this would be a top three album for me. It's so it, it suffers from a little bit of that 
Alabama shakes sound and color. Oh yeah, that's a yeah. perfect comparison. The like first half the, the drop off, you're like, oh, we are losing so much steam right here. Yeah, they. I I just feel like the most notable in that album are like. Yeah, but it's still tracks. worth those six tracks alone. And then the Carry last it. ones aren't bad. They're just like more of the same. Right. If I can make it go quiet, is definitely worth a listen. I'm not supposedly I'm lonely now. No, I'm supposed to be unhappy without someone. But aren't I someone? <laughs> and then coming off of that, Phineas. Speaking of Billie Eilish, number eight is Happier Than Ever, Billie Eilish for me. It's such a it's such a mature album. It is, dude. And a lot of people are not happy with this album at all. Really? Yeah. I am shocked, like, personally, both What's, critics. Yeah, what are the... Um what are they panning? I think they wanted more of what they heard on the first album, more of a heavier, trippier, electro pop mm-hmm. sound and motif to it. Right. It was like it was like Witch House. It's kind of like what the mainstream wanted Poppy to be more like. Yeah, exactly. But like to write this off is such a mistake because to me what Billy does here is kind of what every artist is sort of after, right? Like like it manages to find that near impossible balance between remaining authentic to your sound but then also charting new territory like she does both of that here mm-hmm. any one of these tracks within the five seconds you knew okay that's a billy song but this song is so different than her last yeah. album it still has the always fantastic music production from her brother phineas and just because this one is a little less trippier electro trap than her first lp cool we get to see her occupy a space that's more intimate softer and Maybe maybe even a jazzier homage. Just overall incredible love album itself. Is it as groundbreaking or innovative as the first run? No, but it's unquestionably a triumph in its own right and more than worth your time. So much I would give my life for this. If the bullet was the beat, I would probably die for this. How many times did I cry for this? I would hate myself if I didn't at least try for this. What's at stake is bigger than me. Blood tears. Who's this? So number seven for me is Sometimes I Might Be Introvert by Lil Sims. You ever listen to Lil Sims before? No. Wait, really? Oh, dude, she's had a fantastic career over the last yeah. like half decade or plus or so. You remember when Drake and Kanye dropped albums like a week, a week or two apart, and ever the whole internet was like up in arms about like, okay, did Drake have the better album? Was it Certified yeah. Lover Boy or was it Donda? <laughs> you know, you know that that shit is just it's it's funny because they release it because they know it's like, it's a PR wet dream because <laughs> right. they're both getting listens because it's like, all right, which one is better? Yes. Okay. And they occupy such and different spaces. And the best spaces. one is not is neither of them. <laughs> no, it's, it's, this, to this me right it was Little Sims who yeah. released in the same week or two as her contemporaries and it's better in every way. Like substantially. Sometimes I might be introvert is actually the fourth studio album from Little Sims and I'll cut right to the chase. It is by far her most ambitious, most cinematic and easily her most polished record to date. Her flow has never been better. And there's so much variety of genre across the rap album. You get like jazz to electronic R&B, neo-soul, Afro-future themes, even classical, like in a a very like theatrical setting. In the same way, you listen to Janelle Monae records, right? Yeah, yeah. In the same way Janelle would do like Afro-future theatrical, like almost like Broadway theater production. Because Janelle, because she has that like that moniker that she plays, right? Uh, yes, yeah, like Cindy yeah. Mayweather, yes. right? And everything like that. And it's kind of 
the same thing going on here. So Little Sims uh, has the motif of Alice in Wonderland running through all of her albums, and she completely dials it up here to great success as always. Like so much so that I even like the interludes. Justin, I hate interludes, and I even <laughs> I dig them on this. Yeah. I just think that like, you have to nail it. Like otherwise, it's like oh, can we get get on with it? <laughs> get yeah. to the next track. I right? think <laughs> speaking of interludes, I think my favorite use of interludes yeah. is every Jurassic Five album. Oh yeah, that's actually it's, a good it's like it's like little skits, but they're so right. well produced. Yeah, they just it plays off so well here with with Little Sims and her past records may have been great, but I, I think for this album, you said you haven't checked it out before. For this album, this is the one where we go, oh yeah, this okay. is where Little Sims reached an elite tier. Which is great. My second one. favorite rap album of the year. Yeah. Second favorite. All right, I have to check <laughs> this one out. <laughs> Number six. Did I lose six? I think Lou lost six. Six, six, six. Uh, <laughs> oh, I I love this one. I'd hope so. Number six. I'd hope so. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure, sure about this one, so I said, fuck it, let's do number six. This is like a perfect top-down California coast. We're driving. Those are those synths just bounce, bro. Like, yeah, dude, that is number six. Mercurial World by. Have you ever heard of Magdalena Bay? Yeah, yeah. I got them here, and you will not find better synth work or maybe even pop work on any album in 2021. Like, unless you are listening to this debut studio album. I know, another fucking debut. <laughs> right? But it Before is debut. the synth-pop duo Magdalena Bay, Mercurial World. I'd heard mixtapes and EPs from these these guys in the past. But this is a hell of a debut, Justin. Like, fans of Poppy or Charlie XCX or Sophie, even. You are going to eat this up, guys. Because Mercurial World has every single flavor of synth and pop you could ever think of and i tried to narrow it down a little bit I'm like oh what are the different like variations i looked at their wikipedia page like describing this album there are like 12 different types of synth yeah. pop variation <laughs> like bubblegum pop like electro pop i'm like oh my gosh but it's it really runs the gambit here. i mean at what point does though it become its own genre yeah ex exactly and this album melodically and sonically is everywhere i mean just like a poppy and charlie record like these two on uh, on magdalena it just are constantly subverting your expectations from start to finish which in theory sounds great like on an album mm -hmm. if you go like all over the place but i feel like where a lot of people miss the mark is the execution yes like if you don't get that production polish and just like completely nailed down to a t a lot of people go like this is a mess. This is all over the place in the worst way. And exactly. So you really have to like make sure everything is like super tight and the production polish more than pays off in spades is unmatched, I think, from any album this year. Number five, we're in the top five. Number five is Black Acid Soul by Lady Blackbird. 
It is really hard to describe this album and the scenes that are being created on, yet again, another debut album from Lady, Lady Blackberg this time. But this is not only the best jazz album of 2021, it is, for me, the best jazz album I've heard in years. Since, like, Kamasi Washington dropped one. Like, it's, it's that good, Justin. Like, I, and I have not even heard of these guys. Yeah. No, past singles, EP, <laughs> nothing. Like, I couldn't even find them on, they're not on Wikipedia. They have 10,000 followers on Facebook. Really? I mean, this album sounds expensive. Way beyond 10,000 followers on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what crazy expensive record label is producing? Like, nothing. Yeah, this is wild. Right? Like, that polish is insane with the mixing, right? But Black Acid Soul, like I said, their debut record feels as if you're almost in this after world jazz lounge like almost like a purgatory but you know it's funny it does feel like a black acid soul yes like you're in this sort of nexus uh, yeah. like different plane of existence you're in the nether and you're just kind of right and it's as gorgeous as it is haunting and spacious but at the same time it oddly feels warm like yeah. a jazz mm-hmm. like a jazz lounge would right and and not just because of how rich the instrumentation and the mixing sounds but Marley Monroe, who's the, the singer Lady Blackbird, like her voice is from a different world. Like to me, she sings with the confidence and distinction mm-hmm. as an Ella Fitzgerald, a Roberta Flagg. You said it Nina Simone. I mean, by the way, speaking of it, she has a cover on one of the Nina Simone tracks on here. In incredible. Even if you aren't a fan of jazz, please give this one just like a just one spin. I think you will be super surprised. Oh, we're getting down to the to the real grit. Number four. Oh, there we go. Oh, you you got it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's St. Vincent. St. Vincent. Yeah, Saint number four Vincent. for me is Daddy's Home by St. Vincent. It is a decidedly different route she's taking on this record. Some might say alienating. I think so, too. It was, it was super polarizing, like, when she dropped this. Because, like, as you know, like, her trajectory has been more and more electronic one. Mm-hmm. And something that's super synthy and very futuristic. St. Vincent drops this album and goes, okay, I want to go in a completely different direction. I want to take a U-turn. And she said she wanted to capture the feeling of New York pre-punk, pre-disco, and almost what it felt like... To me, this feels like a New York cigar and scotch lounge, like in that in the early seventies. I mean, it's even evident from the, the album cover. I think she's yeah, going for right? that vibe. I mean, regardless, she's a fucking genius. <laughs> Dude, they, they are such deep, deep grooves on every track that you hear here, and there's so much instrumentation variety from saxophones, synthesizers to even sitars. Like I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. And I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge Steely Dan fan. And there is so much Steely Dan influence yeah. on this record. You can hear it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, she, it's as if she kind of took a little bit from the album she did with David Byrne. Yeah. And she was like, I had so much fun with this. Let's try it. Let's do another one. But Dude, that's a such a good point, too. Like, you can hear the influence there as mm-hmm. well. It's, uh, and I have to say, the producer on this, I give him a lot of shit normally, is Jack Antonoff. 
Ah. And I'll hand it to the man. This is my favorite album he has ever <laughs> produced. I, I never in a million years would I guess Jack Anson. I'm like, oh, the Taylor Swift producer. I know. Oh, the, you know, he, this and that. A, I mean, he's a genius. He he's, is a, he's also he a is a genius. So, like, it won the Grammy for Best Alternative Album of the Year, whatever the fuck uh, alternative is mean <laughs> these days. Alternative is just kind of like the, the runoff now. It's such, a, it's such a catch-all descriptor. But, like, I don't know, dude. Is this my favorite St. Vincent record? Is Daddy's Home my favorite record, or is it Mass Seduction, Justin? What's yours? Mine is actually it's it's a mix between Mass Seduction and Strange Mercy. It's oh, a great. Was that the one with the apple on it, or the apple print? No, that's the one where she's kind of screaming through this like porcelain. Sheet. Oh my god, dude! I always thought that was an apple. That's her fucking mouth. Yeah, it's her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks like an apple. Oh it my really god, does, no! Yeah. Holy shit, dude! Dude, I haven't listened to Strange Mercy in a while. I have to, I have to give that one another another spin. I bought you breakfast, then you started your ring. See, I was fragrant and thick with our silence. My breath is something deep inside pinched I touched the bump on your wrist You were born with Watching you trying to push away It hurts when you see it coming You're too proud to tell me that you can't. Arlo Parks is fucking great Number three is Collapsed in Sunbeams by Arlo Parks I'm going to sound like a broken record I think this is the last time I'm going to say this But this is her debut well, studio You don't album. say, you don't say Yeah, I, I, Dude, I someone was in the water This is in 2021 But Collapsed in Sunbeams by Arlo Parks Is my R&B record of the year R&B, you know, is my favorite genre I've listened to so much of it in my life So it's a rarity when someone comes along And they, they bring something new mm-hmm. And fresh to the table But that's exactly what Arlo did Like It is beyond her vocals which are are distinct in their own right and i i I think it's just a different type of honesty and authenticity that arlo sings with at least Mm -hmm. there's such a beauty to the rawness of her storytelling and the lyrics and just how easy justin it all sounds like everything is so stripped back and it feels like she just casually woke up one morning, hopped out of bed and a cup of coffee and just casually said, you know what? Record a record in your living yeah. room and we're just going to have a talk about it. Can I, can I say, is, is someone mm-hmm. sitting on your couch right there? I'm just going to record an album. And it does feel like that because it is there. Yeah. As you were saying before, it's just the stories are so unique, genuine. You want to sit down, you want to listen to them, you want to see them through and you want to yeah. just kind of see how, what she comes up with. It's effortless. And in the same way, when I first heard like Corinne Bailey Ray, oh, yeah. I got that same feeling, but dude, I don't know, maybe even more so for Arlo, like Corinne was still had a lot more production than, and, and like, kind of polished this Mm -hmm. feels super like let's just jam and let's print it yeah a little bit like a telephone by no name yeah no no that's exactly it that's a really good comparison actually she's definitely going to be a fun one to watch Mm -hmm. for the rest of her career two top two oh oh, that was number three okay oh shit top two
I mean, I kind of figured that one of your tops is going to be a Tyler album. <laughs> Guys, I tried. You tried. Number two is <laughs> Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler Creator. I tried actively each year not to have a Tyler bias because he has put out some of my favorite records in the last decade. Like Each one I consider a classic in, in its own way. And with his latest album, Call Me If You Get Lost, I was determined, Justin, that this was not going to be in the same echelon as right. Igor or Flower Boy. And when I listened to it the first time, I was like, oh, no, no, it's not. It's good. It's even great. But it's not elite. Like, it's it's just not there for me. At least it's not a debut. <laughs> yeah, at least it's not a fucking debut, <laughs> which, is, which is great. But, like, I, I kept coming back to it more and more each year, and it kept, like, inching more and more back. And then I just realized, god damn, this is so meticulously built of an album. Yeah. Like, beat for beat, bar for bar, track for track. Tyler hasn't rapped this much or this well on one of his albums since, I don't know, Wolf? Maybe Cherry Bomb, probably Wolf though. And his yeah. evolution, I was listening back to some of his like past records. His evolution That's as a rapper is nothing short of astounding, and this is probably his finest moment as an MC. Yeah. I mean, especially starting out with Goblin. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't that's, touch Bastard. I mean, that's one of those polarizing tracks where, like, if yeah, you and I don't think Tyler those are, now, you wouldn't even touch Goblin. I, w- I wouldn't even touch either of them. They sound just completely out of date and completely. Like, not even good music. But there are incredible features from top to finish. From yeah. Wheezy, Pharrell, Ty Dolla, of course. Uh, Domo, Lil Uzi. Like, just to name a few. It is a stacked-ass project. But make no mistake, this is the Tyler show. And his latest character, Tyler Baudelaire, as, as he's deemed it, is just as is distinct as Igor or Flower Boy or Wolf was. Like, it is becoming like David Bowie characters at this point with, like, Ziggy Stardust, Stardust and the Thin White Duke and whatnot. Iggy Stardust. <laughs> Ziggy Stardust. Did I say Iggy Stardust? No, I said Iggy Stardust. Did you say <laughs> Iggy Azalea Stardust? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's cliche to say this statement because I know it gets said all the time. The every characters time. Like, are fun. Right? With every new Tyler LP, we get so much more than music. We get new characters. We get new aesthetics. We get new motifs. And I, this is the cliche part. He world builds. Like, he doesn't just drop an album. He's like, cool, what? There's a whole new scene to this. Yeah. Like, I, I'm going to show you what, like, my imagination has been, like, bre- yep. brewing up a little bit here, you know? And at this point, to me, man, like, it is solidifying Tyler, not just as one of the best in the game right now, but I think he's building up a case to be talked about with the greats. He, he drops a couple more records. I think yeah. he's going to be there. All right, we're at number one. Let's just let's just do the thing. This is the this is the number one album of 2021. No other albums. So number one, my album of the year is Vulture Prince by Rouge Aftab. I don't know about you all, uh, but for me, 2021 was just a doozy. It was a doozy. (laughs) 
2021 was actually crazier for me than 2020 was. That's so. that's what I'm saying. And, and that's yeah, it's saying a lot. <laughs> I like, think 2020 was a bit of the shock and we were just kind of like, uh, we don't know what we're doing. And then yeah. 2021 was like, all right, what the fuck are we actually doing? Yeah, dude. I mean, it was just like the full gambit. I don't know. Losses in the family with COVID and everything like that. Uh, dealing with lawsuits, new jobs, moving, injuries, <laughs> breakups. Like it was the year. It was like all the all the yeah. all the curses, all the plagues. <laughs> the year of the debut. And the the, the <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of new things like oh, anxiety. Hello, welcome to my life. Welcome to yeah <laughs> the exactly. debut of just crippling anxiety. Yeah, the the year was jam packed with more chaos than I ever could have planned for or ever imagined and mm-hmm. it was just a really difficult to find those moments of like i don't know peace and serenity like especially some days when the world just seemed like it was getting darker by the hour we all can get in those modes i know? definitely made more time for meditation in 2021 yeah exactly i mean we we've we've all been there but mm-hmm. when i first played this record vulture prince to me, this was like my source of calm and comfort throughout the last year. Like every time I played this album without fail, it would lower my blood pressure. It would just slow the breath down, all the crazy pace. And it is just all of it. Like it's a combination of Aruja's butter silk smooth vocals, the instrumentation from the harps violins guitars all of it is super warm and it just feels like it was recorded in the celestial studio like not from this earth like it is a hauntingly beautiful album dedicated to the passing of her younger brother oh wow that's heavy i know it is just as much of a time of of mourning as it is like a time of reflection but also like a celebration of life you hear it on this you hear it on this record and i'm telling you it is sometimes very hard for me to pick out my favorite record of the year. I've done this is my tenth year doing this, and I'm like, oh, what am I going to put at one? What am I going to put one? But when I finished the last track on the first play of this album, I, I was speechless. I, I was full of tears, and I thought to myself, like, okay, yeah, without a doubt, that's my album of the year, 2021. Nothing's touching that. 